Want to begin today with a little bit of show and tell. And uh, I have a quilt here, and uh, it's not a, you can see it's, it's not a very fancy quilt. White in front, pink on the back. Uh, it's not as fancy as a lot of quilts you see, but it's a quilt that has really deep meaning uh, for uh, our family, for Julie and my family, because it's a quilt uh, that her grandmother made. And her grandmother made it uh, from flower sacks. Uh, our grandmother, well, they were living in East Texas, and as, uh, as they would buy the flour, what they would do is they'd use that flour, and then they'd empty the flour, and then she, she would make quilts out of the flour. Uh, well, not out of the flour, out of the sacks. Uh, that'd be kind of a messy thing to lie down in as a bunch of flour. You know, kind of, that's a bad picture. <laughs> but you kind of what you get in, you know, but to keep her family warm, you know. And when Julie's folks um, deceased, and when we, were, when we were going through their home, you know, we found the quilts in my father-in-law's um, workshed. We found a coffee can, and it was a coffee can full of, of bent nails. And, you know, what Fred would do with the bent nails is Fred is one of these guys that when he grew up in the Depression, they didn't throw anything away. And so what he did was he would pull the nails out of the board and he'd drop them in a coffee can. And when he dropped them in a coffee can, he knew that what he was going to do was he was going to go back later and he was going to straighten them out and he was going to use them for whatever project he had going on. And then we found some Coke bottles, some glass Coke bottles around their house. You know, we didn't save them. Maybe we should have. They're probably collector's items, you know. But, but anyway, as we went through that house, what we began to find was, was the way that, that people, our parents, our grandparents, maybe even our great-grandparents, the way that people used to live, the way that they would repurpose, the way that they would reuse the ways that they would recycle, the ways that they would renew, and they were good stewards of the environment because of economic necessity. Good stewards of the environment because of economic necessity. Now, you and I know that times have changed. And indeed, times have changed. You know, we no longer sell flour in sacks, do we? You go to the store, you buy it in a disposable bag. And nails, you know, you don't look for them in a coffee can. You know, when I get my nails, it's out of a little plastic container, all nice and neatly sorted, and, you know, they're all straight and everything like that. You know, that's how I buy them. I buy them, I use them, I, I throw the container away, and when it comes to, to what I drink soda out of, well, it's aluminum, or it's plastic, or it's styrofoam. And you, you kind of get a, a picture, you get a sense of what's going on in the change. You get a sense of what's happening and a kind of a movement in our culture and a movement in our societies. We're going from this time of renewable into this time of disposable. We're going from a movement where we used to repurpose so many things to where we throw away so many things from where we used to be good stewards of the environment because of economic necessity to becoming consumers of the environment encouraged by convenience. Times change. Times change. 
You know, the past is in the present. But the good news is, is the present moves into the future. And part of what I want to invite us to do today as we think together is, is kind of think a little bit about kind of like back to the future. <laughs> kind of go into that place where we begin to think about, well, here's part of our heritage in terms of what it meant to renew and what it meant to recycle and what it meant to repurpose and what it meant to reclaim, you know, to go ahead and, and take hold of that part of who we are and begin to think about what does that mean for our world as we move forward into the future. What does it mean to live in our world in light of the word where God says, well, it is good. The world is good, is very good. And we are given that very goodness of the world to be keepers of that very goodness in the life of the world. What does it mean to have a theology of ecology? And that's not my phrase, that's a phrase from Wendell Berry. What does it mean to have a theology of ecology? What, as I unpack that phrase, I begin to think about what does it mean to take what you believe about God and begin to live it out in terms of how we live responsibly in the world? What does it mean to have a theology of ecology? Ecology comes from two Greek words. It comes from the word uh, oikos, which in Greek means your house, your dwelling place, logia, which means study of. So literally, what ecology means is study of your house. And so I want to kind of take that very literally this morning and ask you, what, you know, what do you think about your house? How, how do you keep your house? I, I mean, I know how I keep my house. How do you keep, you know, when I keep my house, I bet you how you keep your house. Well, what I do is I fix my roof. What I do is, you know, when, the, when it needs paint, I go out and give it a paint job. I cut the grass. I rake the, you know, yard. I clean the gutters. You know, when we start keeping our houses, I bet when you keep your house, you know, you keep your house like good and very good. I mean, that's what we all try to do. Keep it good and very good. And so what I would invite us to do is to take that micro picture and make it macro. Begin to think about well, what does it mean not only for our house, but when you think about ecology, what it means for our world to call our world, our earth, our home. And begin to treat this home with, with the same spirit, with the same attitude, with the same approach with which you keep your house. With which you keep your home. See, because when we look in the scripture this morning, what we see in the scripture this morning is God makes everything, and when God makes everything, God makes everything like good and very good, and that's the benediction of what God says about the created order. And as God makes things good and very good, what God does is he puts us as people right in the middle of that. He says, you're also good and very good, and what it means for you to be good and very good in the midst of this created order is to keep everything good and very good. And that is impacted in a word called dominion. God gives us dominion. Dominion means to have responsibility. Dominion means to be in charge of. What dominion does not mean, and sometimes we get very confused about this, I think it's kind of a culture and a society, it does not mean that we have ownership, that we can do with it whatever we want to do with the world. That's not how God set it up. God is the creator, we are the keepers. God makes it beautiful, we maintain it beautiful. That's, that's the organization that kind of comes down out of the scripture. 
And so what we're invited to do is to think together about what does it mean to be a keeper of God's very good creation? What does it mean to be one who knows that God is the owner of the house, that we are those who live in God's house, who live in God's world? I want to ask you a question. Uh, has, I don't know if anybody in here has been a landlord, but if you've been a landlord, have you ever had a bad tenant? If I had a bad tenant, what makes a tenant bad? They didn't treat your house right. <laughs> that makes a tenant bad. They moved into your house and they, and they didn't treat your house the way you felt your house should be treated. That's what makes them not a good tenant. And I haven't been a landlord, but I tell you, I have been a tenant. <laughs> I've been on the other side of that equation. I, there was one point uh, in our ministry as we were going along, and we had some friends that invited Julie and I to, to house at their home for three years, which is a long time. That's more than a weekend, you know? You can really mess up a house in three years. I'm going to let you down. We were raising teenage sons, and we thought, oh, my gosh, you know, we're, we're coming in here and thinking, oh, man, we got to keep this place right because this is not our this is not our house. We, we don't own this. This belongs to somebody else. And so what happened, it was a beautiful home, and we made sure that we, we tried to do everything we could to keep it that way. And whenever they would come back from France, they were overseas in France, and we would make sure the place was spotless. You know, and whenever, when they finally came back to move back in, man, we just made sure it shined because you know what? We knew that we were keepers. We were real clear. They were keepers. What does it mean to take that same heart, that same attitude, and then begin to live out that attitude in the life of the world as a keeper of God's good creation? I want to tell you, as I think about that, there, I'm very lopsided in terms of the whole notion of the theology of ecology because on one part of that equation, on one side of that coin, you know, I'm a person that loves to sing. How great thou art. Oh, Lord, my God, an awesome wonder. I consider everything you've made. I see the stars and the rolling thunder. It's all so beautiful and wonderful. And I, I love to quote Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You know, and that, I mean, that's to, to go out and to say, hey, you know, when you look at nature, you see how nature, the beauty of nature witnesses to the goodness and to the glory of God. And maybe you're like that too. I mean, I go outside on these beautiful spring days. I say, man, when you look at the trees and the flowers and the sky and everything, how could you not believe that we have a great, majestic God? I say, well, nature witnesses to the majesty of God, to the goodness of God. And if the beauty of nature witnesses to the goodness of God, then on the flip side of that coin, when you and I can't see downtown Dallas because of the smog and we drive down 75 and what we see is, you know, red ozone alert, so you not only can't see it, you can't breathe it either. And when we drive out down 121 and you go down 121 meets with 35 and you look out on the north and you see these mountains and you know, well, those mountains are not originally there. What's made those mountains are the trucks that are driving up on top of the mountain. It's a mountain of garbage. And I know people produce garbage. I know that, you know. Uh, but, and we have more people around in the area, and I know that. And you know that, too. 
but I also know that what we're doing as people is we're living in a way that we just produce more garbage. And what Susan said, I want you to take a close look when you drive out of here and you drive down the median to the highway. Just take a really close look. Tell me what you see. Because you see, if the beauty of nature witnesses to the majesty of God, then what does the ugliness and the dirt and the soot and everything else that we see, what does that witness to? What does that witness to? What does it witness to? Not about the creator, but about the keepers. What does that witness to about the keepers? I don't know if it disturbs you, uh, but it does disturb me when I watch the futuristic movies that come out of Hollywood and they have this vision of what's out ahead. And, and I don't know if it would disturb me this much, except that, you know, what you see in Hollywood 50 years ago is now happening here in the world today. You know, but when you look at the futuristic movies and you look at how they picture the world, what you see, it's hardly ever this verdant, lush, green, eaten world. That's, hard, that's hardly ever what you see. What you see is it's always kind of dark and desolate and deserted and you know it's like if you saw the, the Disney movie Wally, where it's just one gigantic garbage dump. You know? I don't know if that disturbs you. That disturbs me. It disturbs me when we start, you know, look at these movies and then we talk about going to Mars and I think are we going to Mars to explore the universe or are we going to Mars to escape the world because the world is unlivable. I mean you know kind of what is the picture here? And, and I don't know if you ever think about those things. That kind of, you know, I do think about those things. And, and part of what begins to happen with that, it's a, a cinematic vision of what lies ahead. And in that cinematic vision, I also, and you also know that there is a vision of faith. And, you know, for me, Romans 12, you know, there's a beautiful verse in Romans 12 that says, don't be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, and in particular, in relation to the whole notion of the context of creation, part of what I think about in, in this particular verse, it says, don't, you know, it, it would almost be reframed like this, don't be conformed in terms of the convenience that is offered to all of us through our culture. Whereas consumers, we are unconscious of the consequences of our actions. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed. By renewing what we think about renewables, repurposing, recycling, reclaiming, reliving into the goodness of God, the very goodness of God that God has given us to keep and to maintain. And so what I want to invite us to do is we're here this morning, you know, as we've gone through this series on essentials, you have allowed me to be with you in some very private places in your life. We've got into your cupboard. We've looked at your groceries. That was our first week. Next week, we went into your closet, looked at your wardrobe. Then last week, what we did was we got a hold of your clicker, your controller on your social media, your TV set. We, we talked about that. So we've been dealing with some very personal things. Well, now today, we're going to go into your garbage can this morning. He said, what did the preacher talk about? He talked about my garbage can. And, you know, and, and what I want to do is I'm going to go with you and I want to look into your garbage can and kind of see as we look into your garbage can, is there things that we could move from the category of disposable into the category of renewable? Because I think what happens when you begin to talk about being a good keeper, it kind of starts on a kind of micro level. And so I want to invite you to kind of, kind of as you look down on your garbage can, maybe at home or at work, is there a styrofoam cup? 
that maybe you should look at that styrofoam cup, you're thinking, man, I could have drunk my coffee out of a ceramic mug. You know, if I brought my mug from home or had my mug, I could have, I could have done that. Or, or you look down there and you see a plastic cup and you're thinking, man, and that, that plastic cup, I could have used like a real glass that I had to wash, of course, but you know, we, we, could, we could do that. Or, or maybe you look down there, you see an aluminum can, you think, I could have drunk that out of a, out of a glass, out of a, out of a glass bottle, you know? Or maybe you see your paper towel down there and say, you know, as I wash my hands, I, I could have used a cloth towel to dry my hands, but, but I, I used a paper towel. Or maybe you look down in there and what you see is an aluminum a baking dish and you're thinking, well, you know, Pyrex would have been a possibility. Or you think about how you buy vegetables and so many times the vegetables nowadays come in nice neat little packages. You know, they're all kind of packaged to four and it's kind of there. And you know, there is a possibility to buy vegetables kind of loose and you stick them in the plastic bag. And you know, I, I had that possibility. I know I'm stamping all kinds of toes this morning. I'm sorry about that. Uh, and, but you know, you start looking at that and you start saying, hey, is there anything in my garbage can on the driveway that that you know, got poured down the drain that maybe it could have been re- disposed of in a more responsible way. Or maybe as I look at all these things, is there anything organic in your garbage that if you're a person that kind of believes in compost piles and has a mulch pile in your backyard, that's a, that's a possibility for you? Or maybe you look again in your garbage and say, golly, the, to what, what I see here is I had to make multiple trips to the grocery store to have all this you know, come about in my life. And you say, you know, I could have made a list rather than multiple trips and made one trip to the grocery store and cut down on all the driving and, and make sure that I turned the light on the way out of the door. But you, you, you kind of catch the drift of what I'm saying. You know, These things are all very, very small. But what they are is they're about attitude. They're about approach to living. They're about lifestyle. They're about consciousness. They're about a consciousness of what can we do to be a good keeper. And so I'm just inviting you to be creative. And then I'm inviting you to read beyond, you know, just doing the small things. I want to invite you just to read about the environment and be open. Because I know there's all kinds of thoughts about the environment. There's all kinds of thoughts about the climate. Comes from all kinds of perspectives. But I invite you to to know about all the perspectives and to read about it through the eyes of economics and to read about it through the eyes of science. But I also want you to read about it through the eyes of theology. I also want you to read about it through the eyes of the scripture. I want you to read about it through a vision that says that God made things good, very good. God gave us the responsibility to keep things good, very good. What does that mean? What does that mean for us as individuals? What does that mean for us as communities, as a culture? What does it mean? I'm gonna end today using a, uh, a beautiful question, a beautiful statement that uh, was used down at the Bird Show, uh, down at the State Fair, down at the Fair Park State Fair. I don't know if any of you got down to the State Fair and seen the Bird Show, Birds of the World. It was a, it was a great show. It, they don't do it anymore, but it was, it was really fantastic. It was hosted by a guy named Steve Martin. And that's not the Steve Martin you and I know. It's a different Steve Martin. Steve Martin used to always close each and every show with this statement. He said, the world that we live in 
the world that you and I live in, the earth that we live in, we don't inherit it from our ancestors. We borrow it from our children. We borrow it from our children. We borrow it from our grandchildren. We borrow it from our great-grandchildren. The world that we live in, we don't inherit from our ancestors. We borrow it from our children, our beautiful children, whom God has created in God's image, whom God has called good, very good. And what God invites us to do is to make sure the world that they receive is as good as they are. It's good. It's very good. May God bless us as we seek to live into that vision of life that's held out through the scriptures.